Welcome to this, the next edition of our daily devotions coming to you from Church of the Palms in Sarasota, Florida. We're grateful that you've joined us and hope that you'll pass these along to your friends and family. As we prepare to reflect upon God's word, let us listen to some beautiful music. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our scripture lesson today is from the second letter of Paul to the Corinthians, the fourth chapter, beginning at the first verse. Hear the word of God. Therefore, since it is by God's mercy that we are, are engaged in this ministry, we do not lose heart. We have renounced the shameful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to falsify God's word. But by the open, open statement of the truth, we commend ourselves to the conscience of everyone in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing clearly the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not proclaim ourselves. We proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your slaves for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who said, light will shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of of Christ. But we have this treasure in clay jars so that it may be made clear that the extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. We are afflicted in every way but not crushed, 
perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always carrying around in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be made visible in our bodies. For we who are living are always being handed over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may also be made visible in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. May the words of the Lord be a blessing to us as we reflect upon what God is saying to us in this day and time. What are you worth and who would you trust to tell you? Truth be told, when you come to church to get that answer, it may feel and sound like you're getting somewhat of a mixed message. It's not long into any one of our services where we are invited to confess our sins. We remind God of how imperfect we are. We try to set the story straight as to what is really going on in our lives behind all of our appearances. So in one sense, the church tells you or would have you believe that you're not worth very much. You are a sinner. You're broken. You are a broken human being in need of God's redemption. And yet, on the other hand, the church also tells you that you are loved none other by God himself and you are treasured so highly that God would empty himself, taking upon himself the flesh of humankind and sacrificing himself upon the cross just for you. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's how much you and I are worth. So what is it? Am I a sinner, a struggling, broken human being, blemished in the eyes of God, or am I the imago dei, the image of God, the one whom God loved so much, he would sacrifice his life to redeem me. Which is it? Well, the answer to both questions is yes. Because isn't that how you experience your life most of the time? Are there not those moments in your life when you see the amazing gifts that God has given you and you see within yourself the beauty with which you were created? Have there not been those moments when someone important to you has affirmed you for who you are and what you've done and, and you say to yourself, well, maybe I'm not so bad after all. But then because you know yourself better than most, you also have this view of your own shortcomings, the secret sins, the broken reality of your life, the things you know about yourself that if anybody else knew why you'd die. So maybe no truer words have been spoken than when the Apostle Paul talks about how the gospel has been passed on to us to share with the world, and he puts it this way, we have this treasure in clay jars. We have this treasure but it's in clay jars. We, we all know what he's talking about, right? We, we believe in the love and power of God, and yet we wonder, what can the love and power of God do through little old me? I may have this treasure, but I've got it inside a clay jar, a clay soul, a clay body, a clay heart. And so maybe we look to heaven and we say, what could a God like you do through a person like me? So we remember that story in Genesis of Abram and Sarah being visited by the three angels. And after some excuse me, Middle Eastern hospitality, the angels turn to Abram and they tell him 
that his 90-year-old wife is going to have a son and Sarah's going to have a baby boy. And off in the background, Sarah overhears their prophecy. And what does she do? She laughs. She laughs at the absurdity of the suggestion that God could use an old woman like her. Has she not served her purpose? Has God, had God not jerked her chain enough? Now 90 years old and God's going to have some big plans for her. Can God still use this chipped, cracked jar of clay? And God's response to her laughter is a question. Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? Well, that's a question for us to ponder for a moment, isn't it? And maybe we might want to ask it another way. Is there anything too wonderful that God could not do it through me? Is there anything too wonderful that God could not do it through me? That's really what Sarah's wondering. That, that's really what she's laughing about, the possibility that God could have something so wonderful still planned for her life, that this jar of clay could possibly still hold some fine wine. Which leads, to, leads me to ask, what possibilities are you entertaining for your life what wonderful things could you imagine God still doing through you? Or have you already determined your worth? Have you already decided that this clay of jar, this jar, clay, clay jar of yours is only capable of doing so much? I grew up in Detroit and most of my friends' fathers worked on the assembly lines at Ford and Chrysler and GM. And the thing you learned about in Detroit, I don't know if it was really true, it might be more of an urban legend, is that when you go to buy a car, you're supposed to find out what day the car was assembled. And the trick was that you never bought a car that was assembled on Monday or Friday because Monday and Friday are the days when people call in sick in order to get a long weekend. And that means the assembly line is more apt to be a little shorthanded and who knows how your car got put together. In this day and age of robotics and such, perhaps that um, is less the case. But the question more importantly is, how do you and I get put together? Did God call in sick when you were assembled in your mother's womb? Or are you, in fact, an instrument of God's design through which God has planned to do something quite wonderful? Have you considered that God might have something so amazing still planned for your life that to even consider it, why, it would only make you laugh? Are you laughing like Sarah? Are you laughing about the possibility that God might still be using you in some amazing way? Or has the thought never passed your mind? You remember that scene in Mary Poppins when Bert and Mary Poppins and the two children go visit Uncle Albert and good old Uncle Albert is up on the ceiling laughing and he's laughing, and it's the laughing that has caused him to rise up there in the first place. And as soon as the others start to laugh at Uncle Albert, they also begin to float up to the top of the room. And before you know it, the whole gang is up there having a tea party because they're laughing, but you had to laugh before you could rise. Well, I wonder about that when it comes to you and me. I wonder if within us there are not some frequent stirrings of possibility that God places within our soul. And if we were to seriously consider the possibility that God might do something so wonderful through us, it would just make us laugh. But you have to laugh before you can rise, before you can rise to the task that God might have in store for you. The Bible's filled 
with lots of laughing people. Moses being called to Egypt, you gotta be kidding me. David fighting Goliath, not a chance. Isaiah, the man of unclean lips, is now the prophet of God, no way. A virgin conceiving the Messiah, not going to happen. Peter and Andrew, James and John, fishers of people, yeah, right. Paul, the Pharisaical zealot, now the missionary to the Gentiles, not possible. If you didn't laugh at these eventualities, why you would cry jars of clay, all of them filled with the new wine of God's great plan and possibility. So what about you and me? What reason would there be that we would not find ourselves in such a pantheon of the instruments of the Holy Spirit? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? Let us pray. Here we are, Lord, chipped and cracked jars of clay. Fill us with your spirit and use us for your purposes that we may show that the extraordinary power belongs not to us, but to you. Amen.